This is the Teaching and Learning Podcast from the Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation at Lethbridge College in Southern Alberta, Canada. Located on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy, it is the intent of our college community to honour the land from a place of connection and provide an avenue for us all to come together in a holistic way to share stories and learn from each other. Tune in, hit play, and get inspired as guests share their stories and ideas on the dynamic, ever-changing landscape of education, teaching, and learning. I am Donna McLaughlin, a learning experience designer in the Centre for Teaching, Learning, and Innovation at Lethbridge College, and I am the host of the Teaching and Learning Podcast. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Learning Innovation Podcast. Today's guests are Kirsten Fantasier and Murray Bartley, and I'm quite excited about this podcast because they're going to be talking about uh, gamification and motivation and um, a very exciting project that they've been working on. Welcome, Kirsten and Murray. Thank you. Thanks. And if I could just ask you, each of you, to uh, introduce yourselves. Um, maybe, Kirsten, I'll let you go first. And Sounds good. Yeah, my background is in educational psychology, and I actually recently completed my PhD in instruction technology and psychology. So I specifically have a research interest in studying motivation and engagement in online learning contexts. Uh, gamification is one strategy I've been employing and studying lately, especially as it relates to enhancing intrinsic motivation in adult learners. Thank you. Murray? I don't really want to follow that, but uh, I, uh, I was a uh, police officer for 30 years, uh, 28 years in the RCMP, and uh, one and a half years uh, as the staff sergeant in charge of the detective unit for the Blood Tribe Police Service. Uh, so my experience is as an investigator and as a writer. Uh, so that's where uh, really uh, this particular course that we addressed uh, came in for me is that uh, I was, uh, I taught, uh, or I drafted, I don't know how many search warrants, but uh, then I taught how to draft search warrants uh, to the police. So which was all about writing, all about persuasive writing. Uh, and uh, being able to write uh, uh, purposefully and uh, correctly. So that was, uh, that's, that's uh, my background. Thank you, Murray. You both came to our attention because we understand that you've done some gamification in your courses. Um, can you tell us what it means to gamify a course? Yeah, so there are a few different definitions around that. And the one that we chose to go with, because they do vary in the literature, is basically adding gaming elements to non-gaming contexts. And so that's what we used um, when we employed uh, some of the gamification that we'll talk about today. So I understand that uh, this work was part of a SOTL project. Can you talk about that element of it? Yeah, so we started off with using that SOTL, the STAR grant, to kind of initiate the research. And then we were able to look at our findings and then adapt and continue to use the program, which is exciting and the approaches that we learn about. Um, the STAR grant and SOTL in general is all about sharing, sharing with our peers at the college. So we have hosted a number of presentations. We did some PD events. And then uh, in participating in a lot of our 
conferences that we hold, like our Sodal Conference and Refresh. The other um, opportunities we had is Marie and I went to Banff and actually presented at the Mount Royal Sodal Symposium there as well. And it was fantastic to just present to other individuals who are excited and looking to engage and uh, motivate their students as well. And then I was also able to go to Austin, Texas and present about what we had done with Classcraft. And that was very interesting, uh, working with a variety of educators from different fields, um, all at the post-secondary level. And just the response that we've had has been super positive. And a lot of educators are excited because they can see they can take this program and applied in any context. We used it in a criminal justice policing diploma, but um, we've heard from an array of other individuals who can use it in pretty much any program. So that's been exciting because we've been able to actually share. And then to kind of cap it off, we were able to put together a journal article, which is coming out in the next week or two here. Um, so in February of 2021, and it's going in a, uh, the, um, Sodal in a Sodal journal, which is kind of exciting that we were able to publish our findings as well, because that will obviously get out to a more broad audience. And are you, are you both gamers? Well, uh, I have never played a video game and, uh, in my life, uh, I just played sports. Uh, the, uh, so for me, it was, uh, completely out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed playing games, not necessarily digital or the type of games that we um, have included in this project. Uh, but yes, the gaming concept has been around for uh, hundreds of years. And it's something that I've used in my teaching for many years. But now with the technologies that are available, it allows us some flexibility with our online and our blended students uh, to use some of those. And this is a project that you worked together on. Had you, have you guys worked together before or um, done this team teaching before? Well, I have uh, taught seven, before I actually formally joined uh, Lethbridge College as a full-time faculty, I wrote uh, two or three courses with Kirsten and uh, as the subject matter expert and with Kirsten as the writer. And uh, so uh, we have worked together before, and then we've also uh, worked together, you know, subsequent to my joining uh, Lethbridge College uh, as, a, as an instructor, full-time instructor, we worked together in creating uh, various activities in courses and uh, leaned on, on each other, uh, me probably more to, to Kirsten than otherwise, but uh, due to her experience and training. So what was the basis for this project? Where, where did it start from? So I think what we were doing is uh, Marie and I are always talking about how can we engage, how can we motivate our students? That's kind of a common theme that I've noticed over the past five to seven years working with him. And we uh, shared a course that we actually developed about six years ago. And as we were teaching it, we were just observing and noting um, different, you know, challenges that our students were experiencing, some successes. And then we were using uh, gamified lessons within the course. So I would say very low tech gaming based uh, lessons. And then we decided, you know what, what if we took this entire course and gamified the entire semester? What would that look like? And so the, the conversation started, uh, we really rooted this in a lot of theory and literature, because we didn't want to just integrate a technology and see what happened. So it was very strategic. But definitely a lot of conversations started and uh, experimenting looking at different technologies that might 
make might work with this particular group of students across three sections that we were teaching. Can you describe what the course was like? What, what, what did this, what did this look like in this course? The course that we uh, looked at integrating our gamification technology, which was called Classcraft into was called Applied English and Investigative Writing. This course is one that we offer to our first year criminal justice students who are in their second semester. And what we did was we took a look at a course that historically was quite challenging for students just because of the writing content and something they were learning how to apply. And we ended up integrating class craft throughout every single class. So this course is really about acquiring and applying fundamentals. Uh, we previously, before we gamified it, it didn't have a huge collaborative component to it, but the gamification allow that to take place. And it involves a lot of critical thinking. Motivation and engagement were our, our goals in implementing the gamification technology that we selected, which as I mentioned, was a program called Classcraft. And we did select this because we were focused on self-determination theory. And not to get into a whole bunch of theory, but basically this theory says that if students um, experience relatedness, competence, and autonomy, they're more likely to be intrinsically motivated. So this particular program hit all three of those. And that's really what had us start to look at this particular program and how can we use it in our course. Murray, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, you know, uh, initially, of course, uh, you know, I... Uh, I'm 57 years old. I, uh, you know, uh, was of a completely different generation, obviously, than, uh, than most, the vast majority of the students that would take this course. And uh, I didn't really understand or appreciate uh, how or if this type of motivational design would make any difference uh, in my classroom. Uh, but I did know that uh, after having to pivot in numerous, uh, during numerous investigations, I've I completed or undertook in my previous life, uh, I didn't know if uh, it would create a climate that would increase, you know, attendance, engagement and learning. That's really what I was looking for. And uh, but I quickly discovered that uh, using gamification, specifically Classcraft, uh, accomplished all of those goals and and more, actually. Uh, which was, it's especially uh, important to note because I was initially skeptical. What were your learners like that typically would take this class? So traditionally, the students who would take this class are in second semester. A lot of them, I would say, fall into that age category between 17 to 21 is where a large portion of our students are drawn from in this program. A lot of them have come out to, well, actually they need to have taken one previous English course at the college in order to take this course. So it is a prerequisite, but we find a lot of our students are very competitive. We find that they really enjoy working with one another. And one of the reasons that a lot of them go into this field is for the teamwork aspect. And so was this um, strategy for gamification a way for you to build on those strengths that you saw in your students? Absolutely. We know that as soon as we would just have, you know, a five, 10 minute uh, participatory exercise where there was some element of teamwork or group work with a little bit of competition thrown in, we really see our students perk up and get excited about that. And so that really is what spurred us on to think, hey, what if we could do this throughout the entire semester? and make it a little bit more complex. And, and like I said, address a few different other, address the content in the course, 
But again, like Marie and I are always trying to get at that intrinsic motivation. So how can we do that at the same time? And um, is there any sort of goals or, or hopes that you had with this that you haven't mentioned already? Many of our students are going into the public safety field. And in order to navigate effectively within public safety world, you need to be a team player. Uh, you need to be able to collaborate with people. Uh, you need to be able to compromise. You need to be able to listen. You need to be able to be a leader as well. And uh, so this really uh, highlighted all of those characteristics that we're looking for in leadership. So that was uh, one of the things, or those are several of the things that I never really considered uh, when I just thought it was going to be a game. And, uh, but it turned out to be much more than a game. It was, a, it was an entirely a collaborative learning experience where students who really would have never probably hung out with each other. I saw them doing so not only in class, but outside of class and uh, got to know each other, got to form relationships. And uh, really leadership is all about forming relationships. So that was, uh, that was uh, something that I had not anticipated. That's a great point, Murray, because when you think about gamification, you can kind of see that motivation element. And yeah, it sounds like it would be a lot of fun, but it sounds like there were some really authentic, relevant, real world applications that came out of this experience. Yes, there, were, there certainly was. Um, so this was a research project. Can you talk a little bit about how you collected your data and, and how that aspect of the project worked? Yeah, so we're pretty grateful for Lethbridge College has a STAR grant that we were able to apply for through their SOTL research area. And that really helped us to figure out what we were going to do, be strategic, take some time to analyze and look at different technologies. And after doing that, we decided to, after looking at the literature and just looking at what other people had done, Classcraft actually had not been studied a whole lot. I think we ended up finding two or three studies uh, were just a couple of articles, uh, nothing like what we had done. So we took a similar approach to other gamification research, but basically what we did was gather self-reported data on student motivation and engagement right from our learners using surveys with scales. And we did have open-ended questions that we actually analyzed as well with our research assistants who are also students. Um, we also were able to analyze our perspectives, not only on what we perceived student motivation engagement levels, but also on student performance. That, that last part is, is, I mean, it's all interesting, but I didn't realize that you had also analyzed that, that uh, your perspectives as well. So can you talk a little bit about whether the gamification helped you reach your goals? And, and, you know, it sounds like there were a couple different goals. Well, I, uh, uh, I know Kirsten's going to be able to add more after this, but uh, I just want to talk, uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk about some of the tools that helped us reach our goals. Tyler Wall, who uh, with, is with the CTLI, had mentioned to us, uh, how about, uh, you know, he suggested to us that we should consider real world prizes or real world experiences. And I didn't know what that was. And um, this was just uh, Kirsten and I just having a, a, a conversation with our colleague Tyler, and uh, and he he explained to us that uh, you know when when students are successful as a team, we can give them 
a Tim's card. Uh, we can we can give them things like that, but they're very transient in nature and not as impactful. So we uh, reached out, Kirsten and I both reached out to people both in the community, the Lethbridge community, but outside of, of Lethbridge College as well. I have a friend of mine uh, that is a graduate of Lethbridge College in the criminal justice program. He's a sergeant with the Lethbridge Police Service uh, uh, in their SWAT team. So one of the prizes was the winning team would go to, or the winning teams, I should say, because Kirsten took some of you know, the winning teams of her, her class and the winning teams of my class. And we joined them together as well, and then sent them all to uh, Lethbridge police service where the Sergeant gave them a tour of the, of their uh, facility uh, of, and, and really explained what they do and had them handle some of the, the things that they use, the battering rams and showed them the big truck they use, et cetera, et cetera. They loved it. And uh, Kirsten, uh, Kirsten's got some other uh, uh, real world experiences too, Kirsten, that you might want to itemize. Okay, we went to a couple of local community based businesses and places like V Arcade. We also had some of the escape rooms provide us with and donate, um, you know, time and experiences for our students. And they loved that. We also had went to the college community places like our culinary program, the bookstore, and like Marie had mentioned, uh, some individuals in the phys ed department, but they all provided and contributed towards our prizes, which we really made sure we spread around because we mixed up the groups. And so pretty much every student was able to participate, but they were able to do so usually with their groups, which is also, I think, what helped with the collaborative process. And that was a, a big finding that we saw out of the out of the results that we weren't actually expecting we were looking at performance we were looking at motivation and engagement but the top result that we ended up getting back from our students was the amount of teamwork and collaboration that this entire thing really promoted and they really appreciated that i would like to add that in the culinary program that uh, kirsten's talking about we had chef uh, doug um, prepare a meal with the students and in the evening and on, on one of those occasions, I actually went with them and, and did it with them. And I'm so glad I did that because I was able to see Kirsten's students engaging with each other and my students engaging with, with each other outside of the classroom. They got to also got to know me outside of the classroom. And so I, I witnessed it myself. And uh, so that was uh, really a great experience just to see really how this entire motivational tool worked and uh, to see for myself how successful it was, how they collaborated and how they were just forming relationships too and friendships, et cetera. That's really amazing. I, I really like the idea of the real world experiences as their, their prizes. I mean, that's so much more memorable than something like a, a Tim's card. And, and uh, it's very interesting to learn you know, that they were able to form those bonds and relationships. And I'm sure I, I could see that it would be something going forward that they're really going to remember that they're going to take with them after they move on to their career at the college. Definitely. Yeah. I've even had some students who take our degree now who are in the classes because we, we did research this in one semester, but we've continued with it because it's worked so well. 
and uh, they come back to me and talk about, do you remember that class that we did class craft in? And, and they talk about doing the mug shots. We have these grammar exercises they would do together that before would never be something that they would remember or be of interest. And a couple of years later, they're still talking about it and the points they got and who was there that day and who was helping out. So that is pretty rewarding for us to hear that as well. Are there any other goals um, that you saw out of this? I know you mentioned something too about even your own perceptions. I think we just really wanted to push ourselves out of our, I, I don't know about you, Murray, but I feel like we really pushed ourselves out of our comfort zone with this one. It, it was a big, it was a pretty substantial implementation into the entire course. Uh, and so I feel like it really pushed us to try something different and something new. And every class we were learning, not only from the class craft pro, uh, program itself, but also from our students who would come back to us and say, my avatar got a pet last night. And Marie and I are looking at each other going, we didn't even know they could get pets, but they figured it out with their points. And they were playing this game in the background, coming to us with what they were learning outside of class, which we did not anticipate. That was another finding. We had a question in our survey. Did you participate or play class craft outside of class? And we were surprised how many students were engaging with the program outside of class. And you can actually go into the program and do some analytics to see what's going on. Like they can shift points around to peers who might need them if they're healers, for example. Or like I said, they can gain a pet. They can gain new skins. And all of this was something we, we somewhat knew was part of the program, but we didn't think that they would really jump into that like they did. And so that was, that was pretty interesting to, um, to watch, but then to hear about in the actual data was, was interesting. You know, what I found uh, interesting too, is that, for example, the, the, within a team of four, they're going to split the different roles they have of the avatar, the powers that the avatars have. I didn't even know what an avatar was. Uh, so they split these uh, roles of mage, warrior, and healer. But uh, it's important for people to understand that you lose different, um, you lose points, for example, if I'm in a team of four and I don't come to class. And when I was about to take attendance, I could see I knew I knew all of my students and I knew who wasn't there even before I take attendance, you know, pretty well because we have, you know, 30 people or whatever in the classroom. And uh, I would see the other students texting that student that's not there to say, get to class, you were going to lose points. Uh, that's way more powerful to have a peer, the peer pressure uh, of your teammates because you're letting your teammate down. It was way more powerful for them to do that to their teammate than for me to simply check a box saying that they weren't there. And then whatever happens, happens uh, from not being in the classroom. But um, I'll say that uh, Classcraft, for example, there's a tutorial on that website that I played in class. They watched it and ran with it. I didn't, I was hoping they weren't going to ask me too many questions because uh, it's just not my thing. They ran with it. And there, there is some, quite a few students that are gamers. So they were able to support the others that, that maybe weren't so much. And so they leaned on each other in that respect too. And they just had a great deal of fun with it. And uh, it was something to me that I wouldn't have ever anticipated, but I don't think you can until you do it. Yeah. When you're doing something new, you know, something innovative, 
you do take a bit of a risk. You don't always know where it's going to go. Um, what was the software like? I understand that this uh, project was done in a face-to-face setting. So how did that look as far as the software that you used went? So when we were looking at what technology could we use to help us to run a gamification approach throughout a semester, there weren't many what we would call off-the-shelf gamification applications for post-secondary or for adult learners specifically. So we did take an existing technology that was offered through a Canadian application called Classcraft. And we took it and we adapted it for adult learners. And this was one of the challenges that we had because it wasn't developed for adults and we weren't sure how they would perceive it. So we took that uh, class craft program. There were some components that we could modify, quite a few actually, but because it's a relatively newer program, not everything can be individualized. So as much as possible, Murray was talking about avatars. There were the three types of avatars. We can't change that. But each avatar had different powers. And you could modify, I believe it was like 75% of their powers. So we did modify as much as we could to make it appropriate for not only this class, but also for our students. But that did take some, there were some challenges there because there were some things that we could not modify. Interestingly enough, since we ran this project originally, they've added more elements all the time. So it's kind of like all these technologies are always evolving and they're very receptive and open to feedback. So yeah, it was, it was basically just taking, looking for a program that was out there because we couldn't build the program ourselves. And then seeing how we could modify it and adapt it for what we needed. And have you been able to continue to use this uh, software online? So we haven't experimented with Classcraft online. And one of the reasons we didn't is because a lot of our students were getting used to Zoom, breakout rooms, a lot of other technologies at the same time. It really is has been developed to be hosted in a face-to-face setting. That being said, we've already had discussions about how this could be worked online. So it's something that in the future we would like to look at for sure. Uh, There are other asynchronous tools that I've been experimenting with in some research that I've done. And um, to get at that motivation, that engagement piece, the one thing that's nice about Classcraft is it's all encompassing. So they have like a challenge feature, for example, where you can put a few questions in and have what's called a boss battle. And it's very similar to Kahoot, but it's within the actual program itself. So using the teams and the avatars that we have, there's also um, adventures that they can go on, which are basically like self-paced or flipped classroom activities that you can send them on where they work their way through um, a quest. And so there's new, there's these new facets that they're adding all the time that we would really like to try. And I can see how those would be used in an online or blended context. But for our research, the formal research that we're talking about here, we did just use it in face-to-face settings. So So we've been talking about Classcraft, which is um, a uh, technology-based gaming platform. Are there some, you know, in case there are instructors and others that are interested, are there some lower tech ways of incorporating the same idea of gamification into a course, either an online or a face-to-face course? I think it was, uh, if I recall this correctly, uh, I was searching through the internet, just find very different games. I think, if I recall this correctly, Kirsten, I found this APA, uh, or I found an amazing race, and then I gave it to Kirsten and to say, okay, look, we ha- I found this, but I'm not exactly sure how to design it. And of course, with her experience in education, 
she was able to really do that. Uh, and uh, so basically what we have is the television series, Amazing Race, we just did it in class. And, but based around how to write properly uh, in, uh, you know, based on, on uh, APA. And uh, so they would uh, undertake uh, the different uh, tasks that we would give them. So they'd move, uh, they'd go from Europe uh, to Asia to, you know, it, it, they'd go around the world in that sense. And uh, so they would uh, uh, undertake those tasks as a team, come up to us to market, go back if they need some small revisions. And uh, they, uh, uh, work through that. And then of course, the team that finishes teams that I think how we designed it, the teams that finished first, second and third got, you know, 100 points, 50 points, 25 points, whatever we did. And uh, so that those points go towards those real world prizes that they're later going to experience. And uh, so it made because, you know, it's at least from my experience, a hundred years ago, when I was in uh, elementary, junior high, high school, English was never that exciting. And, uh, but they were, uh, my attendance rate and Kirsten's attendance rate was 100% uh, because they were not only motivated by the peers to, to show up, but they found it interesting and uh, they found it motivational. They found it uh, a duplication. Uh, it, it was a game, but they're learning at the same time. So you can have fun and learn at the same time. And uh, so uh, anything to add on that, uh, Kirsten? What's been interesting lately is we've moved to this blended system because of the pandemic and we've taken the APA Amazing Race. So I just did it last week with some uh, two groups of students and we took it and we made it um, available online. So using Google Docs, we did the same thing that we did in a classroom, which was very low tech. And then we just moved it to a Google Doc and basically had them working in groups, rotating around to, like Murray said, the different challenges. Uh, coming back, they get a phone, a friend where they get to come back to the instructor if they need help. And then basically they get to work collaboratively. And because APA has just been updated or it was updated about a year ago, but the college just adopted the seventh edition in October. This is a fantastic opportunity for them to work together to learn something that generally speaking, APA is not the most exciting thing for most students. But I asked them again, uh, running this last week, I said, I did a survey after, how did it go? What did you think? And the reception is just overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, APA is not something you typically think of as, as being really a, a motivating thing to learn. And, and it's pretty complicated too. So that's fantastic to find a way to um, help teach students as well as make it fun for them. If I could just add one thing, Donna, is that uh, I retired uh, in December. Uh, and uh, but prior to the, uh, me retiring in December, I was teaching the degree course in leadership. And I took that APA Amazing Race uh, with uh, Kirsten's assistance and uh, because we were teaching entirely online. And I created a leadership Amazing Race. And my students absolutely loved it. And it was hard because I had never done it before online. But I do want to say that if I can do these things, anybody can do it because I have no experience. I have zero experience in any of this. And uh, I think people need to, to remember that because if I can do it uh, with uh, never having played games uh, other than a board game, I suppose, um, I think that if you open up your mind you're, and you're, you want to be uh, just a little bit creative and imaginative, uh, you can do it. 
it sounds like this amazing race concept is something that could be adapted for other topics and other subjects. Yeah, I even had Hanako actually from our at the college, our early childhood education program. She took again, like Marie did, kind of took the template. And it's not so much the content, it's just having the structure there that takes a little bit of time to put together. So she took the same Google Doc and reworked it for her purposes in the ECE program and is using it there as well. So yeah, you're right. It doesn't, it's not so much, it's kind of the medium and then you decide on the content that goes into it. That's great to hear because, and as Murray says, you know, if, if he can do it, anyone can do it. So that's great to hear that other instructors could, um, you know, borrow this idea and adapt it. So there's a little bit of work up front, but then you've got kind of that investment that you can continue to use in the future with other courses. Yes, it does take some time up front to put these things together, but I do feel like the benefits definitely outweigh the cost. I also find if you do it with somebody else and can bounce those ideas off of your peers, it really helps and makes it actually quite enjoyable to put your lessons together. I mean, how many times are we super excited to go into a lesson and excited to see how the students will respond? And that's what I'm experiencing frequently when I use these types of activities is I'm, I'm really pumped to go in there. They can see my enthusiasm. They talk about it and they know we're going to be doing something great that day because they see how excited we are. So I think that's, that's huge. We asked that of them. So we need to show up and, and look like we're excited to be there too. And would you both recommend um, that collaborative approach when, you know, either doing gamification or doing something new in the classroom is to, you know, to find someone else that you can bounce those ideas off and work with? You know, I, uh, I, I want to answer that uh, in relation to my experience as a police officer uh, is uh, that um, for the last 10 years of my career in the RCMP, uh, I was uh, on a uh, what is called a major crimes unit. And the only thing that I investigated were homicides. And uh, so having gone to 37 homicides in a row, I uh, worked with uh, uh, a lot of people across the country, you know, uh, municipal, RC, uh, municipal police, RCMP, but other, other agencies as well. And uh, that collaborative approach is absolutely crucial in order to uh, successfully um, successfully investigate something, for example, as a police officer, and uh, people are counting on you to do it. And uh, so I believe that uh, this sets a path for them to understand that you can accomplish much more together than you can individually. I don't know of any police officer that's ever successfully investigated uh, a crime solely by themselves. There is always uh, assistance from citizens in the community, um, other colleagues, uh, people from social services, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And from an education perspective, which is my background, which is what was fantastic working with Murray and a lot of my other colleagues, is we are perpetually in education, working together, team teaching, collaborating. And so just being able to work with someone who's a content expert and saying to him, what would, what is something that we need to work on? What are the students struggling with in this course? And then I can add that educational element, like how might we best go about this? I think it was a good compliment, uh, the two of us working together. And then, like I mentioned, just talking to other people around our peers and our colleagues, when they see the students so excited, they talk about it in other classes they approach you and you work with them on other projects. I really believe a huge part of our role as instructors is working with our peers and, you know, benefiting from our strengths and our challenges and having those discussions is, is probably one of my favorite parts of our job. So 
Earlier, you talked about um, motivation as being part of this, this, the student motivation. And so I want to touch back on that. You talked about some of the the extrinsic motivators, the real world prizes. Um, Can you first talk about sort of what you consider to be motivation and then as well as touching on some intrinsic motivation that you saw? Right. So what we did was go to the research for motivation. There's a lot of motivation theories out there. But um, we focused on self-determination theory because it really fits in an adult learning context well. The first part of it is relatedness. And that's the component where you have to work with other people, your instructor, your peers, and maybe even other people like stakeholders in the community. And that's what we really, that was probably the number one finding out of our research was that relatedness had been enhanced greatly with the gamification approach. Um, Self-determination theory is focused on enhancing intrinsic motivation, but it does speak to the fact that if you're extrinsically motivated, sometimes that plus some other factors can lead to that intrinsic motivation. So it was a nice theory because it encapsulated both the extrinsic and intrinsic. Um, The competence piece was another important element of self-determination theory and how we built competence was through things like Murray had mentioned the mugshots. So I'll let Murray talk about mugshots in a second here, just to talk about how that increased their competence in the course related to the content. So we needed that. We needed to understand that, uh, you know, obviously want to increase their competency because, you know, at the end of the day, at least in, in one of the, the main things that students have told me is that they come to school and the vast majority come, come to Lethbridge College because they want to get a job. They want to be employed after. And uh, so in order to do that, they need to form competencies that will make them uh, be uh, competitive with other people. So we used mugshots, which uh, mugshots represent mechanics, usage, and grammar. We use them, and I believe Kirsten did the same as as really at the start of the class, really kind of a warm-up. And uh, so their collection of sentences and uh, they were had had numerous errors and uh, issues, uh, punctuation, grammar, etc. And so they would need to be able to correct that. And uh, so then we re- would obviously after when they were done, then they revealed the correct response and the point, and then they got points for the correct answers. They're very competitive. For me, normally, a student was solely accountable to me. They would be accountable for me because I would do the assessment of what they've done. That's what, that solely really was their motivational tool is they wanted to get a good mark. They wanted to class, they want to pass the course. Now it was different because we taught our students to be accountable to each other, not just to me. Of course, they're accountable to me too for their assignments. But they're also very they're also accountable to each other. That responsibility to each other is what they will need to be successful in any given career path they choose, not just public safety. Um, and it's one of the main takeaways that my students have learned from this experience was that supporting their teammates was the key to their success. Obviously, they have to be accountable to themselves too, but they're accountable to each other. They're accountable to me, and. Uh, So it made learning motivating for both the students, but it was also very motivating for me. And it allowed me to thrive. It allowed my students to thrive. 
I hadn't experienced that before necessarily, maybe here and there once in a while, but not continually. And that for me was the really the crown of doing this with the students. So there was some intrinsic motivation for you as well. Yes. So as we wrap up, is there any uh, last bit of advice that you might give to an instructor who's listening that's thinking, oh, you know, this is a good idea. I'd like to find a way to try to incorporate some gamification into my course. Well, I'll, uh, I'll let uh, Kirsten end with it, but I'll, I'll just uh, say a couple things is that uh, there are a number of faculty that are not technologically advanced like myself. And uh, I, I don't think I'm the only one. And uh, so I think that uh, they, uh, in, in order to embrace this, you just have to embrace stepping out of your comfort zone. And staying within your comfort zone is really going to restrict you. And that's, of no be- that's not as great a benefit for the students, but it's also a great benefit for yourself. Yes, these things take some front-loading, for example, the APA Amazing Race. Uh, it does take some front-loading, and uh, Kirsten and I do, and, and I know a lot of other faculty do, do a lot of work in the evenings and weekends, that sort of thing. But boy, uh, once you've got it done, it uh, is very simple to administer because it runs itself. Uh, we didn't, I didn't have to spend a lot of time with gamification. I think that's, was one of the fears that I had is that I would be coming to class. I have to deliver all of this content. I have to meet all my objectives. And then I got this computer game that I have to run too. And I thought, oh boy, you know, I, I don't know how overwhelming that would be, but it's not overwhelming at all because the students embrace it. The students run with it. You show the video, which is a tutorial that they take and they run with it and they create their avatars and they, they, they're in their teams and they're high-fiving each other and they're doing all of these things. But it was tremendous for the students and it was very gratifying for me to see how happy they were. And if you have happy students, it's a happy class to go into and it's a great environment to work within. Otherwise, it's, it's, it can be very mundane but it wasn't mundane because of what we delivered. Yeah. So just adding to what Marie said, everything there, uh, make sure you do get together with someone else or a, a group of people who might be willing to experiment or try some things. I think one of the things I really learned is dig into the research, look at what other people have done. It doesn't have to be just journal articles, but go online and do some digging. Usually a lot of the questions that you have have been answered somewhere. So you might be looking for it. I Classcraft wasn't on our radar until I started to look for something that might meet this purpose. And I wouldn't have found it had I not taken some time to, to start weeding through everything that's out there. Um, the biggest thing is ask for feedback. Your students will tell you and be honest with you. And you have to be open to that feedback as well. So we didn't have 100% of students didn't say that this was um, a tool that they necessarily felt that increased their motivation. Some of them told us, I'm already motivated. Yeah, it was fun to play, but it didn't you know, um, substantially enhance my motivation. And that's okay. That's good information for us. Yeah. And I think just connect with, connect with people around you. I think that's a huge part of what we do. So thank you very much. Thanks for sharing your experiences with this project and with gamification. If listeners would like more information on uh, your project uh, and gamification, where can they go to find that? 
So the first place would be the Imagining Sodal Journal, which is actually just uh, publishing an article on the project that we have been discussing, and it will be coming out, we're estimating the beginning of February 2021. So you can check that out. Um, I also have my dissertation that I've published on gamification in online settings with criminal justice students, which will also provide a link for to ProQuest. Okay, and I believe we will be posting links for both of those articles in this episode on the website. So if anyone's interested in digging further and doing some research, they can look for those uh, links there. If someone would like to search for this themselves, how would they go about that? How do they how do they spell SOTL? So we've been referring to SOTL and SOTL stands for S-O-T-L stands for the Scholarship of Teaching and Learning. And that was what formed the basis for our research. We applied for a grant through our SOTL department at Lethbridge College. So at the end of every episode, we ask our guests to talk about something that they've maybe done recently that they really love learning about. And those of us who work in education, we tend to be people that love learning about all kinds of different things. So I'm looking for something that maybe either one of you have done kind of recently that that was maybe a little more outside of your comfort zone than, than gamification that you've loved doing or learning about recently. I'm learning. I know how to play guitar, but uh, my wife gave me for my retirement an epiphany, ep epiphone, a casino hollow body jazz guitar. So I'm uh, learning that guitar. That is the guitar fun fact that uh, John Lennon played when he was with the Beatles. And uh, so I'm learning that guitar uh, and, and that uh, style of play as well. Uh, jazz music a little bit different than others uh, in that sense. Uh, so I'm that's what I'm working on as well. And in addition to the fact, uh, I hope my friend, my, my, uh, my hockey buddies aren't listening to this, but uh, um, my wife bought an instant, instant pot and learning how to make all of these and, and gave me a book of 800 recipes that goes with it. And this is a guy that doesn't cook. So, uh, I even learned how easy that is because you throw everything in the pot and then you walk away. So those are just two fun things that I'm learning and getting, and it helps you get through a, a pandemic, I guess, as well. So when the pandemic is over, then it's supper at Murray's place with some tunes. Yes. And uh, I'll feed you lots of wine and then I'll sound really good. Okay. And Kirsten, what about you? Yeah, recently I've been getting into mountain biking uh, quite a bit. We spend lots of time uh, biking throughout Alberta and when we can go to BC. So the fresh air, the challenge and the views uh, are all, all pretty awesome. And it's something we can do as a family. So that's something we've started to do. It's an expensive hobby I've discovered, but I really enjoy it. And this has been a particularly good winter for that as we don't have any snow right now. Yeah, there's not a lot of ice out there, actually, uh, you know, except for some of our windy days. It's pretty good. And Kirsten, uh, Kirsten, when you're doing that mountain biking, uh, how do you take your dog along? <laughs> we have a backpack for our dog and uh, we get looks everywhere we go. Everybody stops us and asks us, where did you get that from? Because she's a medium sized um, Labradoodle. So she's pretty big, but it's pretty cute if you see her in a picture. <laughs> 
Oh, I would love to see a picture of that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's been really enjoyable uh, learning about your work with gamification and your research. And uh, I think your students must uh, have really benefited from this project. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. If anyone would like to get in touch with you to find out more about your project and your work, Kirsten, um, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm a, an instructor at Lethbridge College and I have I would love to hear from people via email. My email address is my first name, so Kirsten, K-I-R-S-T-E-N dot Fantazir, so F-A-N-T-A-Z-I-R at lethbridgecollege.ca. We will also be providing this in the show description for people. This episode featured Donna McLaughlin as host and Kirsten Fantasier and Murray Bartley as guests. Jude Bialik was our writer and producer. Ryan Robinson was our sound technician and editor. Thank you also to Daryl Benabak, Joel Godry, Kelsey Jansen, Mike Smith, and Tyler Wall for their ongoing support and expertise. Our podcast is funded by Lethbridge College's Centre for Teaching, Learning and Innovation and recorded on the traditional lands of the Blackfoot Confederacy. For more information and inspiration or to access the supplemental documents for this episode, check out learninginnovation.ca.